Hey everybody, this is Bob Z, the pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast. I hope it's a word that will encourage you today. Let's remember in these challenging times we're living that God is still in control and that his love for us endures forever. Amen. God bless. Through it all. <laughs> Through it all, our eyes are on you and it is well with our souls this morning. And I hope it is well with your soul this morning because we've been through a lot in 2021. And the only way I think we can honestly say that it is well with my soul is if we keep our eyes on Jesus. Not on the world news, not on the White House, but on Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus in 2022. I know it was a wild and, and bumpy ride, but the Lord brought us through 2021, and, and praise God, we're, we're still here, right? We're still here. So instead of complaining about stuff, we, we need to give him thanks. Aren't you glad the waves and the winds still know his name? I love that lyric. The waves and winds still know his name. That was inspired from a familiar story. In the fourth chapter of Mark's gospel, when Jesus and his disciples, they got caught up in this terrible storm out in the middle of a big lake. It was actually the Sea of Galilee, but they, they referred to it in the Bible as a lake. It took place one evening after a very busy day of ministry and teaching. And I believe there's a lot we can learn today from this story as we launch off into a, a new year. We may not be in a boat. We may not be crossing a huge lake, but we are navigating, right? We're navigating our way into new territory as we begin 2022 together. And just like those early disciples, they desperately needed Jesus. Every one of us desperately need Jesus, too, to help us get to the other side safely, right? The other side. That's, that's our theme on this first Sunday of 2022. The title of this morning's message is The Other Side of the Lake. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. So Lord, open up your word to us now. Your word is alive. It's active. And make this old story be fresh and new and, and show us something. Maybe we think we know this story, but you have a way of bringing new things out. Give us a greater revelation. Let us see where we are in this picture, where, where we are in this story where we are in that boat. Teach us from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's go, let's go right into God's word. Mark 4, verse 35 and 36. It says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. He was already in the boat. So they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. People wanted to go wherever Jesus was. It was hard for him to, to get away. But notice what time of day it was, as evening came. The day's over. The sun's gone down. It's probably starting to get dark. It's been a long couple of days for Jesus and his disciples. He had been very, very busy. And even though he was all God, he was also all man. And the all man part of Jesus was really, really tired. It had been an emotionally draining time for him. He was driving out demons. He, he healed a guy with leprosy. He healed a whole bunch of other people with all their diseases. He had a tense confrontation with some Pharisees who accused him of getting his power from Satan. 
His own brothers thought he was beginning to lose it. So there was even some family tension going on. I think we can all relate to family tension from time to time. Jesus also healed a paralyzed guy whose friends resorted to property damage by taking someone's roof apart so they could lower their friend down through the hole in the roof. I can imagine Homer saying, that's going to ruin my warranty, <laughs> guy stood up there. But they lowered his friend down to get him to Jesus. Well, that's being determined, right? Taking the roof off of a place. And Jesus taught a bunch of parables at this time about the four different soils and the farmer scattering seeds, about not putting your lamp under a basket, about the mustard seed, and a bunch of other teachings. And this had been going on throughout the day, and now it's evening. And it's a time to get away from the crowd, get some rest, or so they thought. And these disciples, man, they had a, like a front row seat for everything that Jesus did. Everything that took place, especially over these last couple days, they saw the healings, they saw the miracles, they heard the teachings. But now Jesus is about to give them a real practical test to see how much they really learned. And sometimes I believe Jesus gives us tests too to see how much we've learned. See, it's not enough for us just to learn about something. It's not enough to, to just be able to repeat what we've been taught, and just have a lot of head knowledge. We've got to be able to apply what we've learned by faith to our own lives, right? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing and our learning come from the Word of God. That's in Romans chapter 10. And Jesus says, let's cross over to the other side of the lake, boys. And he wasn't asking them if they wanted to do this. It was a command. In Matthew's Gospel, it says Jesus gave orders gave orders to go over to the other side. He ordered them. One translation says Jesus instructed them. And he's already in a boat. He's ready to go. What are they going to say? Nah, we're good, Jesus. You know, we just want to stay here, relax a little. It's been a long day. Let's just chill. But some broiled fish and bread would be kind of nice. No, Jesus wasn't having any of that. He says, let's cross the other side of the lake. Come on, let's go. And off they go. But look what happens in verse 37 and 38. But soon a fierce storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. And get this, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Are you kidding me? The boat's filling up with water. Jesus is sleeping. I could be wrong, but I kind of believe he had one eye kind of slightly open so he could just watch and see how these guys were going to respond to this fierce storm that really caught him off guard. Look how these fishermen respond. Frantically, see these guys were in a panic. Frantically, they woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you even care that we're going to drown? Man, that, that response to this fierce storm reveals a lot about what these guys really believed about Jesus. Jesus is there in the boat with them. It's not like he's on the shore somewhere and out there by the... He's right there with them. You know, he's right there with us too. Whether we're in a boat, in a car, a bed, a seat, whatever. He's in our boat too. He said, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. He didn't say, well, let's see if we can get across the lake. Maybe we can, maybe we can. He didn't say that. He was determined. They were going to the other side of the lake. And these guys probably thought, well, maybe, maybe so. But he said we're going, so I guess we're going. Jesus was sure. The disciples weren't so sure. 
And they weren't too sure about who Jesus really was, even though they saw the miracles. They were there. They, they heard the teaching. They saw how much he cared for people. And yet they say, teacher, don't you even care that we're going to drown? Now, these guys are very experienced fishermen. That's what they did. They spent their lives in boats. They knew about the weather conditions on the Sea of Galilee and the way the Sea of Galilee Steve was in Israel, he could tell you, just the way, the, the way it's set up, it, it, it's, there's, the wind comes down and stuff stirs up quick. But this storm, these guys have been in storm. This storm caused them to panic. Nobody said, hey, I know, I know it's looking pretty bad, but look, Jesus, he, he's, he's here. And he's sleeping, so he's not going to let anything happen to us. We're okay. No, none of them said that. They panicked. And notice they don't call Jesus Lord. They don't, they don't call him Messiah, they don't call him Savior, they refer to him as teacher. Is that who Jesus is to any of us? Is he just a, a good teacher? I hope not. I hope he's a whole lot more than that. And they don't say, help us, Jesus, save us, Jesus, rescue us, Jesus. They say, don't you care? Teacher, don't you even care? Don't you even care? Did you ever feel like that? Did you ever question Jesus like that? When you're in the middle of a storm, Jesus, don't you even care what I'm going through right now? You seem so far away. Don't you care? Now, I'll admit, I've asked him that exact question. When we were going through the most heartbreaking days of our lives during our daughter Amy's sickness, I remember on more than one occasion going outside at night and just shaking my fist at heaven. Tears running down my cheek, just shouting, do you see what's going on down here? Which is a silly question to ask a God who is omnipresent and knows all and sees all. But when you're desperate and you're discouraged and your heart's breaking, you, you do desperate things, you say things. Don't you see what's going on down here? Don't you even care about Amy and the pain she's in? I mean, that was the worst storm we were ever in. And I wish I could tell you my faith never wavered, but, but it did. And maybe, maybe your faith has wavered from time to time. When, when you're caught in one of life's storms and, and you're not sure if he cares enough to rescue you or do anything for you. But I learned he does care. Yeah. He cares about you and he cares about me. He cares about all of us. And he cares a lot. He cares a whole lot. He, he cared enough to die an excruciating, painful death nailed to a cross for us. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was crucified because he cares for us. And whether our prayers are answered in the way we want them to be or not, that, that really has nothing to do with how much Jesus loves us and how much he cares for us. So if you think he was just a teacher, you need to get to know him as Savior. You need to get to know him as Lord. You need to get to know him as Messiah. You need to get to know him as your Redeemer. If you're not sure about that, talk to me before you leave here today. We can, we can work that out. Remember, the scriptures say he, meaning Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions. And I don't mean a little earring or a lip ring. He was gouged. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. That's more descriptive. He was crushed for our iniquities because he didn't have any of his own. And, and the punishment that brought you and me peace was on him. It wasn't on us. And by his stripes, by those deep, painful wounds, we are healed, right? We're healed. 
So don't ever think he doesn't care about what you're going through. He cares more than we know. And he cared for those disciples, even though they weren't sure. Teacher, don't you even care that we're going to drown? But their concern about drowning was a reasonable concern. These professional fishermen knew how to handle a boat in a storm. It wasn't like they were never out in a storm before, but this storm. So it was very violent. They thought they were going to die, even though Jesus was there in the boat. What they didn't know is that Jesus was going to use the storm to teach them some things about himself. He was going to use this storm to teach them some things about themselves. Their boat in the storm was going to be the classroom for their spiritual education. Because, it's, you know, it's one thing to learn stuff about the Lord or ourselves when we're sitting in a worship service or we're in a classroom or we're watching a video or we're listening to a podcast. That's fine. We need that. But it's another thing to learn stuff about the Lord or ourselves when you lose a loved one or when you lose your job or when you can't afford to pay your bills or your kids are making terrible choices, or your marriage is falling apart. Some lessons can only be learned in the middle of the storm. I wish that wasn't so. Maybe it's just me, but that's been my experience. The hardest lessons I've learned have been through the storm, and some of them were so painful to learn the first time, I don't want to have to ever relearn them, okay? So let's see how Jesus responds to these frantic fishermen, verse 39 and 40. When he woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, quiet down. Some translations read, peace, be still. In fact, we have a, a print. It's been hanging over our fireplace for years. It's of Jesus standing in a boat. I've seen a lot of those pictures, but this one has a lot of dark images and dark coloring, and the only thing lit up is Jesus with his hand. And when Amy could still use her hand in calligraphy, she wrote, peace, be still. And that's kind of in a little window I cut out of the mat. And it hangs over a fireplace. So I, I, I look at that picture very often. And I talk to Jesus in it. But some translations read, peace be still. The New Jersey translation just says, shut up. Quiet down, peace. Be still. And what happened? Suddenly the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. And he asked them, why? Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? Can you imagine Jesus asking you that? Do you still not have faith in me? I mean, Jesus was teaching these guys that he was so much more than just a teacher. They knew he could cast out demons. They knew he could heal sickness. And now they realize this guy's got authority over nature. <laughs> he spoke to that fierce storm, quiet down, peace be still. And the storm listened to him. The waves and winds still know his name. Hallelujah for that. The disciples in the boat with Jesus were in awe. Look, look how they respond, verse 41. And they were filled with awe and said among themselves, Who is this man? That even the wind and the waves obey him. And they were stunned. They, they were filled with awe. Wouldn't you be? I mean, if I was in that boat, and it looked like we were going under, and all of a sudden, this guy stands up and says, Quiet down, and whoosh, Other translations say they were terrified. They were filled with fear. But I like they were filled with awe because we ought to be filled with awe about anything about Jesus. We ought to be filled with awe. And they all wondered, who is this guy? 
The wind and, and the waves listen to him. Are you kidding me? Who is he? Now, they may have not known exactly all who Jesus was, but they, they sure knew now he was a whole lot more than just a teacher. And I hope all of us realize that too. So much more. This fierce storm in, in Mark chapter 4, it revealed a law about what those disciples believed. And the storms that we encounter in this life reveal a lot about what we believe. When a crisis comes into our life, is God still a good God? Or is he not so good for allowing it to happen? Because let's face it, he could have stopped it, right? He could have prevented it. I know that's true, but his ways are far higher and greater than ours. And, and when we pray, when we're in a storm and we're praying, do we see God as really caring or uncaring, depending on how he answers our prayers. I struggled that all the times we went to Atlanta with Amy in the hospital and other kids were getting well and our kid wasn't. And I wondered, do you care? Do you care as much for her as you do for them? Because that kid got well. That kid's getting to go home. Ours is getting worse. You know, it really, oh, man. But see, the storms in our life have the ability to bring to the surface what's really inside of us. Storms will reveal whether we're living by fear or whether we're living by faith. Storms in our life reveal if our hearts are full of trust or they're full of doubt. And the way we respond to God during a storm reveals the truth about what we really believe, the truth about ourselves. So hopefully we can learn a few things from this, this old story, this fierce storm in Mark's Gospel learn some things we can apply to our lives out there where life is messy, out there where life can sneak up on us like this storm snuck up on his disciples. So first off, we've got to realize that storms are a test. We may not like it, but they have a way of revealing the truth about us and what we really believe. Just like last night in the storms, I was paying attention to the weather late at night. Bobby was in bed. And, and I just kept up with that. And I was praying. I was looking up at that picture of Jesus with his hand up. And peace be still. I said, yes, Lord, peace be still. That's what I'm speaking. That's what I'm believing. And it wasn't just send a storm somewhere else. Just weaken it. Dis dissolve the strength. Lift it off the atmosphere. Don't send it to somebody else. I didn't want it in my backyard, but I sure didn't want to send it to someone else. But just weaken it. It rained hard. And it blew. But thank God we're okay. So storms are a test. Also, storms can happen suddenly. Right? The storm on the Sea of Galilee, that came up quick. But isn't that the way life is sometimes? One minute we're singing a, a praise song and everything is kumbaya, and then the next minute we're in a panic. And all it takes is one late night phone call, and we can find ourselves in the middle of a fierce storm. Just takes one doctor's visit, just takes one letter in the mail, takes one text message. That's all it takes sometimes for the wind and the waves of life to try to sink us. But Jesus never promised we'd get through this life without any storms, did he? No. In fact, he promised us just the opposite. He tells us, it's not on the screen, but in, in John's Gospel, in chapter 16, he says, In this world you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble, you will have trouble. He was right, wasn't he? Boy, was he. In this world, this world, not in the world to come, thank you, Jesus, but in this world, we will have 
trouble. He promised it. But he doesn't leave us hanging there. He says, but take heart. Don't give up hope. Don't lose heart. I have overcome the world. Yay. Thank you, Jesus. He's overcome this world. And he wants every one of us to be overcomers, too. Not to quit. Not to give up. Be overcomers through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we know storms are tests. We know storms can happen suddenly. And, and the third thing I want to mention is storms can cause us to doubt Jesus. What did those disciples shout out to Jesus? Don't you even care that we're going to drown, teacher? Don't you even care? See, the disciples, this is neat, they see the humanity of Christ in the boat sleeping. The guy was exhausted. The, the God-man, all man Jesus was exhausted. They see him sleeping there. But when they wake him up, they see the deity of Christ. Because he gets up and he, he rebukes the storm. Quiet down, wind. Peace be still, waves. And nature obeys Jesus. <laughs> Man. You know what else I like about this scene in the storm? Jesus doesn't rebuke his friends first. He doesn't question their faith first. He doesn't ask them, why are they afraid at first? He helps them first, right? He helps them. He addresses what has this fear, causing them to fear. He, he, he takes care of that first. Now, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew writes that Jesus asked the questions first, and then he stops the storm, but I don't know. To me, it just seems it's more like the heart of God to help them first and then explain things later and ask him later. So I'm going to stick with Mark's version of this story, okay? He calms the storm, and then he turns to him, and he says, Why? Why are you guys so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? They saw the healings. They saw the miracles. Now they saw this. What could they say? What could they possibly say after Jesus commanded this fierce storm to stop, and it did? What could they possibly have for an answer to Jesus' two questions? Why are you so afraid, and do you still not have faith in me? And I think these are two questions Jesus asks every one of us from time to time. Let's look at those two questions. Why? Why are you so afraid, and do you still not have faith in me? Now, we're all gripped by fear from time to time, but, but do we let fear control us? Or do we let our faith in Jesus and our faith in his word control us? See, the media is doing a great job to make fear control us. That's what the media is wanting to do, to isolate us, to try to divide us over things like vaccines and masks. And i got to tell you, you have to do what you believe is right for you and your loved ones, and I have to do what I believe is right for me and my loved ones, right? Let's not let fear control us or divide us. I don't want to live in fear. But I do want to be wise. I do want to be careful. I do want to be considerate of others, and I want to be respectful. So maybe Jesus is asking us these same two questions this morning that he asked those disciples in the boat. Why are you so afraid? What are you afraid about? Do you trust me? And do you still not have faith in me? Not for the easy stuff, but the hard stuff. It's easy to have faith in Christ when things are going well, right? When we're in good health, when our kids are well, when the bills are paid, when there's food in the fridge, everybody's getting along, there's no storms in our life, easy to have faith in Christ then. 
But what do we do when a storm hits? I mean, a storm. What happens to our faith when there's not enough money to pay the bills? Or when the kids keep getting sick? Or the heat pump breaks down? Or the car's transmission goes out? What happens to our faith then? Do we trust in the Lord to still provide for us? Do we trust in the Lord with all our heart, as Proverbs tells us? Or do we lean on our own understanding and say, no, I got this one, Lord. And then we wonder why things don't work out. You know, I know, I know a lot of people who don't tithe because they believe they can't afford to. So do they not trust the Lord enough to provide for them if they honor him in their giving? And God, listen, God has his ways of taking care of his kids, let me tell you. Ask Bobby how we've seen it in our home, in our life, raising our kids over and over and over again. Don't work out on paper. If we had to put it on a paper, said there ain't no way. And yet, God provides. His economy is a whole lot different than the world's economy, and it works. So we got to trust him. He's faithful. He knows what he's doing, and he's really good at his job. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, hopefully, hopefully we've learned a few things about storms that can help us here in our day-to-day lives without panicking, without giving in to fear, without wondering if Jesus cares what we're going through. He does. He does care. I know that's true. And instead of living in fear and anxiety and, and lack of trust, we need to do what 1 Peter 5 tells us. It's not on the screen. This is 1 Peter 5, verse 7. It says, cast all your anxiety, not all, some, all your anxiety on him, meaning the Lord, because he cares for you. He cares for you, Robin. He cares for you, Dan. He cares for you, Scott. Give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. Now, we either believe that or we don't. I want to make a decree for us for this new year, okay? We've been listening to Dutch Sheets to give him 15 every night, and he makes a decree at the end of every video. He's got me making decrees. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Uh, we're going to have this decree and prayer together, and then we'll open up the front. If anybody wants prayer for anything, you can pray where you are. If the Lord is nudging you to pray for somebody here, by all means, and don't ignore that. But let's, uh, let's decree and believe this. Lord Jesus, we thank you how you get us through the storm last night. And we decree that as a church family, as your beloved children, that we're going to walk in greater faith and trust in you in 2022 than we did in 2021. We're not going to believe the lies we're being fed. We're going to walk in greater freedom from the things that kept us from running with you in 2021. We're going to love you better. We're going to love our families better. We're going to love each other better. And we're going to be bolder. And we're going to be kinder. And we're going to be more gracious and more generous and be more committed to you in this new year. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.